much welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. I am your host of the DTP. I am Colton G. Today, today on the show, we're joined by a very good friend of mine for my first live interview in a long time. He is the entertainment provider, Justin Sider. Oh, yes. Oh, and I see you're wearing your Sunday best, too. Absolutely. Available online. Give me a message. Give me a text. You can have one of these and look as good as me. Oof. I know I've got one, too. And it's, it's a nice quality, quality shirt for sure. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, Colton. No worries. As you say, good friend of mine, Colton G, lives in the same city as me. We hang out quite a bit. We're actually together at damn near every day. That's why Almost. we're in the social circle and we're able to do this live interview together. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely awesome. That's why we're able to do this special. After a long time of doing phone interviews, we get to have not only a musician, not only a entrepreneur, we also have one of the hottest up and coming de- recently debuted wrestlers in the Okanagan, the Thompson Nicholas scene, where I happen to originate from. Yes, you already heard, it is Justin Sider, and today we're taking you a little bit behind the scenes of his world. So you ready to jump into it, JC? Absolutely, we are good. Ready to go deep and break the walls down. Ooh, all right, I'm always down to do that. I'm always down to do that. So of course, we always wanna try and give the ambush a little bit of a background so i want to know where does this dream originate was justin a young man watching the attitude era in the 90s like what when was your era of wrestling when did you get into this crazy industry i grew up watching of the few channels i had one thing that was on every saturday morning was wwf superstars every Saturday I watched that show and I knew as soon as I started watching that show I knew that's what I wanted to do and I knew I couldn't tell anybody because I knew everybody laughed about it everybody joked about it it was a big laughing stock if you mentioned anything about loving wrestling so it was one of those secrets I had to keep for a long time finally finally <laughs> finally things have come to fruition and uh, you know it's a lot of part of growing up and becoming yourself and not being afraid to be who you are and that was a lot of a lot of that being younger but yes it was back way back at WDF Superstars, uh, probably late 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, found wrestling for the first time, and then, yeah, watch, watching that, and then Raw came out, Attitude Era, oh, it was just way too much. Uh, <laughs> got to go to my first home show when I was a kid. I was lucky enough, my mom bought me a ticket to go to a little show in a tiny little arena in Chatham, Ontario, I'd seen The Undertaker in a casket match against Kama. Oh, what? And, yeah, that was it. When the, the, the bell went off, the lights went off and the chills went through the air and you swear it dropped 20 degrees in that building. <laughs> that is, when I, when that happened, that's where I wanted to be and what I want to do the rest of my life and what I want to be involved in. Okay, and this was back in Ontario, correct? Absolutely, yes, yes, Southern Ontario. Uh, Wallaceburg, of all places, tiny little town of 10,000 people or so and then, uh, and then London, Ontario. Moved to London for a while for college and moved across the country out here and haven't looked back. It's been fantastic. I love my old place where I come from, but uh, this is home now. This has been home for almost 20 years 
Uh, British Columbia is where I love to be, most beautiful place on the planet uh, as far as uh, I've seen so far. No, it is very, very lovely for sure. So were you playing a lot of other sports when you were younger then, or was this sort of taking the contact sort of something that you did later on in life? And here's where the story gets a little bit deeper. We dive a little bit deeper into this. This is something I haven't said in anybody else's podcast and interviews, and even in my 24-hour podcast, we never even got into this. Our 24-hour uh, promo. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I had very terrible eyesight. I had a rare condition. My eyes were terrible. I had giant Coke bottle thick glasses, as they used to joke about, right? The 80s glasses. Yep. Yes. I still, I've still got dents in my nose. I've still got divots in the back of my ears. <laughs> and the giant glasses I wore that were way not the right size and so heavy. Um... <laughs> Uh, my prescription got so bad they couldn't even do glass anymore. They had to switch to plastic, and so that made it thicker. So they were just <laughs> massive. Um, so sports was not really a thing for me when I was a kid. I was good at things, um, but my vision was so bad that I couldn't really do it. I was physically mm-hmm. capable, but my vision wasn't there. And then contacts happened. Oh, so at least I was world. able to drive <laughs> and do a few things. And I was actually try, try a few sports in high school, and that wasn't so bad. Um, True story, I got a zero batting average in T-ball. I was that blind when I was a little kid. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite embarrassing. I got hit with a fly ball in the head and, you know, I just couldn't see. You know? <laughs> so I didn't think that any of this would ever happen for me. I'd ever play any sports, serious competitive sports, anything uh, contact in my life. Um, so when the contacts happened, I was able to do a few things. Uh, but then by that point, no, I'm in my mid high school, but ready to go to college and I got my laser surgery done. Oh yeah. Okay. And at that point I was just going to start my family. So that's one of those things we don't really think um, it's now's the time to dive into pro wrestling. Now's the time to yeah. dive into sports and stuff. And Not exactly the most uh, stable of industries <laughs> to raise a child in side of. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't time to chase that right away. And you know, um, if you do the right thing, time will uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I don't even want to call it karma. Whatever it comes around, goes around, comes around, and and I knew what happened at the right time. And I'm glad I didn't push it when it ha- went back then, because now I've actually got that second lease on life. I got to play hockey. I, I dreamed to play hockey when I was a kid. I never got to play because you know, it just wasn't even. <laughs> I couldn't wear. There was no glasses for people playing hockey back in the day. You know, um, my, one of my idols. Uh, there was uh, a guy is uh, in the NBA on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, he was one of the first people to have a sports goggles. Oh, mm, I can't remember his name. I should, but I can't I remember. Right. I can't remember who it was. Um, but yeah, um, I, I was like, that guy right there. I thought, mm-hmm. if he can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And that gave me some motivation to actually get to get there um, when I was a kid. But um, yeah, it wasn't until I got that second lease on life in my late 20s where I was like, all right, the kids are kind of growing up a bit. I'm going to give these things a shot. I'm going to give these things a shot that I never got to do. Uh, got my, my health was... <laughs> Getting to that later. My health was, it was not good for a while. And, you know, uh, party days were over. It was time to settle down and do what I want to do in life. And man, I, I wouldn't change uh, the things that happened to me for the world. To be the ugly kid with the glasses that was picked on all the time. And uh, to be the pretty boy that's always gawked over. You know, to go on both sides of the coin, you kind of understand where a lot of people are coming from and what they go through in life. And it gives you a different perspective on people's mindsets and how people even just innately think naturally without Mm -hmm. thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Perspective is a very important thing, especially when you go into 
different things like sports and otherwise, because sometimes a lot of people come in thinking that maybe like some people get told, oh, you're really good at everything. You're really good at everything. And then you come into a world and it's like, oh, how come I'm not the starter? How come I'm not like this or that? How come like even when it comes to the world of wrestling, how come I'm not the main event? It's like because you got to practice, you got to earn and work your way up there. Right. That's right. Mm hmm. That's right. It's about it's it's about hard work, dedication, just shutting your mouth, doing what you need to do to get there and just not giving up doing all the work behind the scenes when people say no you can't do it just keep going anyway when people laugh keep going anyway and eventually someone's going to see that and say that's the guy he's got the perseverance he can actually do it mm -hmm. and that's that's the fruit anybody can do it doesn't matter if some of these guys do have the natural size and they're given the gift right away or they know the right people and you're uh, you know you're accelerated through the hockey camp you're accelerated through you know soccer school or the music class or wrestling or whatever and you know some people have to work a little harder to get there i find their own path so there's not there's not any door that's closed. It's just maybe you have to go find a different door that might be open on the other side of the building. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I've learned in life too, is sometimes no doesn't mean never. Sometimes it means not right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So you mentioned that once you got your laser surgery, you worked into hockey and other things. So... Once you moved to BC, how did you start to work your way into the wrestling scene here? I was actually, I was in BC for quite a long time before I did that. And there was a long period where I thought that this would never, ever happen. My, there was a period of time I was working as a warehouseman in a warehouse. Obviously, um, and I was mm. delivering packages, doing uh, courier work, uh, DHL, I think it was, Loomis at the time, whatever. Uh, I did that for almost a decade. And my back was so terrible, I thought that I would never do anything again. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was seeing a neurosurgeon, uh, Dr. Freedy, and he told me I would need surgery and I might never do anything ever again. No sports oh, wow. ever, ever, ever. So um, I could have taken that both two different ways and I decided, no, I'm not getting the surgery. I'm going to rehab myself. I'm going to get myself into shape. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to go through whatever I got to do. And I'm not even sure what I did. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really thank skating, honestly, teaching my kids how to skate, that skating backwards, strengthening my lower back and bringing all that together again. Um, mm -hmm. I had CTs and MRIs done and the way that my back looked back then compared to how it is now, I can't even explain how that happened. I really can't, but the photos are there, the MRIs are there, you can't, <laughs> you can't lie. And here I am, you know, uh, doing pro wrestling, taking crazy, crazy dives and bumps and um, I'm absolutely loving it. Every single minute of it. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm here to do. And, you know, I've had quite, some of us have had quite a few near-death experiences, as you know. And it's like, you, sometimes you just know that life's got something for you to do before you go. And you're, there's a reason why life keeps you around. And, you know, I believe that there's something I have to give to pro wrestling before my time's gone. So until I'm done giving that thing to pro wrestling, life's going to keep me around. All right. All right. I want to dive a little bit more into pro wrestling here, but there's one thing that you mentioned there that I just want to touch on is you mentioned that learning to skate was more so teaching your daughters rather than actually pursuing the dream of playing hockey. So teaching your daughters is what actually also helped unlock the dream of being able to play hockey. Yep. Absolutely. It's not the first wow. time my kids have saved me in different ways. Um, Powerful. Yeah, uh, if it wasn't for helping my kids to do that, I would have never played hockey. They didn't even make them realize it. I think it was actually uh, the girl I was dating at the time. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
hey, you know, have you thought about maybe giving a shot? I'm like, no, I can't. Oh, maybe I should try it. And I had a friend that coincidentally, and near the same time, life just gives you those opportunities. Hey, we, we have a Sunday league. You want to come by and skate around and be a ref for a couple of uh, skates. And tried that. It went okay. Bought some gear secondhand at the store and mm-hmm. give it a shot. And next thing you know, it's every week for a couple of years. Join a second league and then playing two nights a week. And I'm actually to the point where I can actually do something and play with these guys that have played for years and had this pro training. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it, again, it's always, it's never too late for any of that stuff. But yes, the kids, mm-hmm. the kids, again, it's, 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 that's not the first time they saved me from, uh, uh, from life and a lot of things. Um, I was a big partier for oh, four or five years, I suppose. I uh, found the party lifestyle uh, after my first, right, but just before my first daughter was born, actually. Uh, so I partied pretty hard for the first four years or so. And then, uh, because the kids are four years apart by one day, actually. <laughs> so when my uh, when my second daughter was on the way, I decided, you know, it's time to completely stop partying out like crazy. Because it was, it was out of control, baby. Mm-hmm. Wow, burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. The fireworks display was absolutely gorgeous, but this mm-hmm. guy was falling apart. Mm-hmm. Lesson learned. It taught oh. me a lot of lessons. So again, my kids, again were the inspiration to steer me in the right direction. Again, my kids were the inspiration for me to skate and get back on the ice and do this stuff and train them. And by doing something for someone else, life rewarded me with other stuff. And that's kind of what it is. You you, you get back what you give, but you got to give it first. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. So one thing about ice skating is I'm a terrible skater. So I know that sometimes you fall a lot and you fall on your back. So how do you go from falling on your back onto the ice inside of a ring onto a canvas from there? Going from ice? (laughs) Well, the the ice kind of, the ice sucks really bad. Uh, (laughs) Many people give up on skating because they don't do pads. And as when we were kids, like even I, I sucked when I was a kid. I didn't learn how to skate till I was really in my in my 20s, when I tried to do hockey, when I was teaching the kids how to skate, I was literally teaching myself how to skate. I knew how to skate a bit, but, you know, I couldn't stop fast. I couldn't mm-hmm. do fast carving. I couldn't, you know, do the quick backward skating stuff. And just through, like, bringing them up skating, it taught me how to do it, kind of self-taught, whatever, watch a YouTube video here and there, out footing and stuff. Oh, and how that evolved into that. Yes. So, there, yes. Um, so it really sucks to fall on your back on that. Anybody has ever done that? And that's where I was getting with that. Um, we, we were raised to not wear pads when we were kids, so everybody gave up. The first time you tried to skate, you'd fall down, hit your elbow or hit your knee, hit your tailbone, you're like, this sucks, I never want to skate. I never want to do this. And everyone, riding your bike, so many people were discouraged from riding by hate bikes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love my bikes, man. I'm just speaking for other people. Uh, people hate roller skates, roller blades. It's like, yeah, because the first time you mm-hmm. And nowadays, where back in the day they said, you're an idiot and you look stupid for wearing pads. And now they're like, you're an idiot for not wearing a helmet. <laughs> so I'm very happy to see that change, but I'm not going to lie. I was one of those skateboarders. I skateboarded for about 10 years and yeah, I refused to wear pads. I refused to wear a helmet. You know, I wore the long, stupid chain that made me trip over things all the time. which was such a hazard. How many times I bailed because of my chain on my hip, but you know, I was trying to look cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but th- those falls are, you know, kind of what set you up, I guess, for those things. Uh, I also got, you know, I guess, as we're talking about, I got the second lease on life. So I did all these things. I did hockey, I did skateboarding, mountain biking. I uh, got had some friends that were really good, pretty serious mountain bikers and started doing the big mountains out here in BC. That <laughs> When I first seen a mountain bike out here, I was like, where's the motor? Because I grew up in Ontario and a mountain bike is a 10 speed with little curly, <laughs> curvy arms there. That's a mountain bike in Ontario <laughs> back then anyway. 
so yeah, this this was like extreme sports to me out here. And getting to be able to do this and have a second lease on life and to be lucky to have such good kids and a family that is encouraging for my dream. And don't get me wrong, I give them the ultimatum. No. <laughs> no. 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 Um, no, they've always been encouraging uh, the whole time. And I, I couldn't do it without them. I couldn't do it without the encouragement of uh, my friends and fans, which is the family. And it's all about the family and everybody else and giving back and proving to everyone that it's never too late. I'm nearly 40 now. Birthday's coming up pretty soon here. I'm that is 39, so I got another year before 40. But anyway, um, you know, it's never too late. Like, like I said, my, my back was down. I thought I was out. I was into partying. I thought I could never do these things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a dad. I've got all these kids. I can never, you know, do these pro sports or ever go after anything. It's never too late. There's been plenty of people who started careers. It's not just Diamond Dallas Page and guys in wrestling. It's mm-hmm. you know, your, your guys in other pro sports as well that come in at 30, 40 years old and then still absolutely dominate. Uh, gold medalists that are winning things at 40 and 50, absolutely dominating. Um, so it's never too late. And that's, I want to give everybody inspiration to just get up and do it. Anything mm-hmm. you want to do, it's never too late. Please get out there and do it and live your life. And one of the main reasons I really took this on, because this has been my belief for, you know, belief system for a long time, but you know, I knew it wasn't the right time. So the thing that pushed me into knowing it was the right time was when a close friend of mine was on his deathbed. And just like most people that do get a chance to talk on their deathbed, say, yeah, you know, I don't regret anything I ever did. I only regret the things I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And I look at me and what did you always want to do? You know, I always want to be a pro wrestler. So, and when someone says that to you on the deathbed, that's something you do, you know, you follow through. And so I do this for Billy, you know, okay. do it for everybody, do it for the wow. family. I do it for Billy Baxter. Okay. Cheers, Billy. Cheers indeed. Hopefully you at home, if you have the opportunity, cheers as well. Show some respect. Because this is what helped lead Justin into thrash wrestling and Big West wrestling. So, what was it like to finally get into the, like, even just to be able to work with some of these people, especially people who have been, like, legends and like storied people of this part of our area like the promoter of thrash wrestling like the promoter of big west wrestling and both of them have been around for a long time have helped a lot of people along the way and now they have the opportunity you have the opportunity to take that journey as well so how how has it been breaking into that locker room, getting the experience to finally make it up to your debut. Oh, the whole ride has been one of those epic journeys or <laughs> looking back, cause I should have wrote everything down and it'd be a pretty epic book and story to tell. Um, going back to being just a guy going to wrestling shows. I didn't know wrestling existed in BC for the longest time. Uh, you know, at small, small wrestling companies, you have a hard time advertising. You don't get TV time. You don't have to all the publicity and stuff like that. So if you're not looking for it in the underground, it's not, your, it's hard to find. You're not really looking for it. Um, we came across it kind of by coincidence and went to our first show years ago. Uh, it was the A invasion, I believe it was the Ted DiBiase million dollar man. <clears throat> and that just opened all the doors. So to see all these people that they're all celebrities. They're all celebrities. 
you know, to, to all of us, where we look up right away. It's like I'm glor- you're glorifying these people. And to, to be here years later and be getting their advice, having them mentor you, having them teach you and train you things in the ring, correct you on what you're doing. Uh, it, it's just a total dream come true and nostalgia. You look back and like, wow, this was, this was the guy in the ring I was like idolizing years ago. And here he is showing me to be as good as they can be. Mm-hmm. That, that's indescribable. It's, it, it, that whole journey started back then. Um, we pushed for a while, right? As soon as that happened, I knew what I wanted to do. And I was like, all right, I want to see wrestling in Kamloops because Kamloops didn't have wrestling for a long time. Over 10 years. That's right. So we pushed for a show to happen. We pushed uh, Big West Wrestling. We pushed Thrash Wrestling. We pushed it around. And we got some no's. And then eventually Thrash gave us a chance. And thank you, Slave, and all of the Thrash crew for giving us that opportunity and trusting us to kind of give Canlis that second shot because Canlis did it 10 years before before and it didn't go so well. So um, thank you again, Thrash, for doing this and allowing wrestling to come back to here again. And, and it was definitely no mistake. First show, we had over 200 people show up, Moccasin Square Gardens. Absolutely amazing, the loudest place. Mm. Uh, what a venue. Absolutely amazing. No, it's, it's set up for wrestling. Like, like it's made for it, mm-hmm. personally. Um, we did a bunch of shows at CJ's, or sorry, at uh, Moxa Square Gardens there. Mm-hmm. And eventually we worked into the 19 plus show at Cactus Jack's uh, early 2020. Hell of a time. And that was probably <laughs> one of the funnest shows I've ever been to in my life. And I've been to a lot of, you know, everything, concerts, comedy, everything. And that was one of the best, most entertaining shows. I got to be mm-hmm. on commentary for that one, calling the uh, action from behind the table. And I was thrilled all night long. I almost lost my voice before the main event. And barely hold it together. Uh, what an absolutely epic, epic, amazing event. I believe you were there, Mr. Golden Jesus. Well. I believe <laughs> I was too, inside of the ring. I may have uh, taken a spear from Slave that evening. Yes, you were involved in the mayhem, absolutely. <laughs> uh, hardcore match that was definitely a 19 plus, for sure. <laughs> so, so it kind of just started out with helping out with the shows. I started helping, uh, you know, uh, Slave offer me the chance to, you know, you start out just Come and help out, set the ring up, come up, put some posters up, help get some sponsors, do this and that, um, try and hype, make some hype. So mm-hmm. I did what I can do PR-wise and uh, promote the show as much as I could. And um, just through doing that, eventually it was like, all right, let's do a roll or two to see how you can just make sure you're not going to kill yourself. And try that before you go get trained somewhere. Because that was mm-hmm. the plan. I was going to go to Storms. I was head set on going to Storms, Storms School for wrestling. And Storms shut down, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but beforehand, even then, it's it's... Storms gave a invaluable amount of knowledge, but it's in order to make that investment. You need to know that that's something that like, you gotta be able to take a bump. Exactly, and that was the big <laughs> thing, is like that was the only question within the family here of how I'm gonna make this happen. It wasn't a question of if I'm gonna make it happen, it was how, and I was gonna go. I was gonna go to Storm School, but that's gonna cost you all your not just the school money it's your living expenses it's your uh, your live out you're off of work for three months or whatever your wages that you're off of work for the time is like so it's not just the bill of the school which isn't bad it's the what goes along with your time mm-hmm. and when you have a family of three that you're or four that you're providing for you can't just be like eh, peace out guys i got dreams to follow uh mm-hmm. good luck with the bills for a few months <laughs> well when you're also the uh <laughs> business owner and the main employee of the business as well it's uh hard to be able to leave it when there's no one to really have do the things for you that's right 
But at the same time, you're like, I started this company so that I can do these things. And if I'm not doing these things, why am I working so hard running this company? So you got to draw a line, draw a line somewhere, even if you got to work a bit of uh, not sleeping for a while and just make it all happen because that's what the hard work is for. Don't work your whole life and not reap some of the rewards. Balance. Mm-hmm. Got to balance it out. Uh, so yeah, um, I started out with Thrash just giving me the chance to do the shows uh, or helping them like that. I started bringing in uh, some light systems, offered to try and spruce up a bit. And so we started putting some, bringing some lights, bringing some smoke in there, uh, started doing some sound for them. And then I got offered to do announcing. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it leads to another. It's, you start, start at the mm-hmm. bottom, work your way up. And I spent a year and a while just, just making sure I'm probably the first guy on the scene, last guy there. First guy helping with the ring, last guy unloading. And now it's to the point where I haul the ring. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I want it to be. I, I, I like helping out and doing all that I can do. And <laughs> anything I can do to make this awesome, I'm in 100%. Wrestling is my thing. It's my dream. It is everything. So anything I can do to make it bigger and better, throw me the ball. I'll run. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's just it. Is like you said, you noticed that it was... It wasn't necessarily that like you wanted to immediately go to the show. It was, you saw that there wasn't shows here in your hometown and you wanted to help spread the love because you knew that there was other people here too. Absolutely. So we had mentioned that sometimes you have to go off, you have to get the training, the experience to be able to make a debut, to be able to get inside of the ring. So after doing all of these different steps of showing up, helping with lights, sound, announcing, all of these things, who helped you get to the point of being able to actually debut and wrestle? Well, um, as we talked about, there's not many options um, besides going to storms to get officially trained unless you're going to go to another place and travel. There's a lot of places to go as long as you're willing to travel, but close, close by, if you have a family, if you have your local stuff, you're running a business, you can't do much. So we start off with doing whatever seminars come to town. And luckily enough, the first time that we had Cam Loops, um, Tony Kazina came in and ran a seminar. So that was the first time I actually got to get in the ring and run the ropes and do my thing. I'd never been in the ring doing anything like that ever before, besides a quick little run in, stripping mm-hmm. J of the belt uh, at a show once. But um, it really, literally is my second time stepping into a ring. And there we were just uh, rolling around getting taught, taking bumps, and it was a fast crash course really quick of mm-hmm. this is not going to be easy at all, and it's not for everybody, and there was definitely, uh, there was, let's say, 10 of the 12 of us in the program there, and uh, there was definitely some guys we've never seen again after that day. <laughs> now, I don't blame them. It's not, it's just not for everyone. It's just, it's, it's tough, and get on them for trying it out, and actually having the guts to get this. So many people say, I'm going to be a pro wrestler, and never even try once. These seminars are there, they're posted, do it. See if it's for you. You never know. Maybe mm-hmm. you'll fall in love right away. But that's where it starts. Just hit that first seminar. Every time you see anything kind of going on, hit that first mm-hmm. seminar. And that's where it started with Tony Kazin. And then a few other people came to town doing other uh, things as well. Asian uh, Cougar. So Asian Cougar from Japan came in. I was lucky enough to get a training session with those guys. That was mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. The whole crew came in. Um, oh, and you know, everybody in the Okanagan. Try, you don't try to name drop or get anybody in trouble for doing things because, you know, uh, training is a funny thing around and no one... Uh, wants to throw anybody under a bus or anything but yeah i've been fortunate enough to be taught a lot of things and get shown the ropes a little bit before i you know before i was able to 
get a little spruced up, I guess, down at the Lionsgate Dojo in uh, in, Van- in Surrey. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I work up here uh, with Camaro Cope, Ace Redmond Jr., um, Marty Sugar, Slave. Uh, they've shown me so many things in the ring and got me ready to be able to have those first little practice matches, get ready to go, mm-hmm. and go down to the dojo in Vancouver and uh, and actually, you know, uh, clean a few things up a little bit that I was really sloppy on. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I was very fortunate to have the people down there do it and that, oh, I miss that crew so much. Um, Artemis Spencer, Nicole Matthews, Tony Baroni, uh, the things that they've been able to teach me in such a short period of time uh, absolutely in, invaluable. Uh, there's no money value that can be put on anything that they that they can teach. Uh, all the trainers down there are absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait till the world opens up again so we can get back down there and right back where we were before. Mm-hmm. Keep polishing off those moves, keep tightening up the game and everything else so that you can come back even stronger, better, maybe take a... Uh, Another chance at earning that internet championship back. Get me started on that. Oh, God. Yes, the belt I never lost in the first place. What an epic ride that was. Uh, you even had a few talk-down appearances Not there, and you had some of the best promos. As I see, as I did say publicly, one of the best damn promos of 2020, this guy right here. No joke, no, nobody to be fooled with in the talk-down game. He was going to run a microphone. A lot of experience. <laughs> Yeah, have to use the night talk down. When everything shut down last year, Big West Wrestling decided to run uh, kind of a competitive league of cutting promos on each other. Because half of the game is this mental game of, I'm going to beat you and I'm going to beat you. And you know, if you really believe it, you really can do it. Mm-hmm. So it came to voting. And they did a voting show. And when the fans had their say, it was Justin Sider all damn day. Two-time, longest-running internet champion of all time of the talk down era. And now, of course, the talk down belt has been taken away, sorry, the internet championship has been taken away from TalkDown and to become a championship that can be fought for in the ring. It's been crafted, it's been get, it's been made, and it has made its first public appearance. Uh, I believe I even showed it online a little bit there. It was at the, at the last Big West show. Marty Sugar showed it off, the brand new Big West Internet Championship. And that, baby, that will be mine before this year is out. The Master of Manifestation is making this call right now. You're gonna see the family once again wearing gold, big West gold, by the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. Calling a shot to be the first three time Big West Wrestling Internet Champion. Can't wait. Of course, there's a little bit of time. Events have to open back up, a few things too, but of course, you did make your debut. You have had had quite a uh, heck of a record for a rookie here in 2020, even under the conditions. You've still had, what, four matches this year? Yeah, uh, four or five with Big West and a uh, match at the dojo as well. I believe I have six from three and three between the singles matches and tag matches, the triple threat matches. So, yeah, it's actually... Uh, the stats, of course, with Battle Royals as well, too. It's hard mm-hmm. to keep, keep them exactly straight. But yeah, I can't complain. For my debut year, I held pinfalls over Ace Redmond Jr. in the, tri- in the triple threat tag match, Soul mm-hmm. Survivor in the six-man tag. Elimination. That was quite quite the battle. I hold three pinball pinfalls over Sleazy Steve. 
two singles and one in the tag match. I'm sure he's not very excited about that himself, but... I have some losses. I was taught some damn good lessons, and I held my own in those battles. So I'm ready for 2021. I'm ready to take on anybody who wants to teach me a lesson, because I am ready to learn. All right, all right. He's eager. He's willing to get back out there. He's willing to take those bookings, hit the road when those opportunities come again. And of course, he's also ready to add more members to the family who you have also mentioned earlier. Some of them probably watching right now. But for those who maybe haven't decided that they want to rep Justin Sider, that they want to join up with the family and the crew, what exactly is the family and what does the entertainment provider have to offer to his fans? Well, as I said a bit earlier, the fans are my family. The friends, the fans, and my family all together make the family. It's everybody that I do this for. It's everybody that supports the cause. Everybody that believes that you can do anything, anytime, if you really believe in yourself. And that's exactly what I'm doing this for. To show you it's never too late. You can always do it. I love each and, one, each and every one of you guys. <laughs> They're the fans that vote for me as well. It's, never, it's, it's the fans that vote for me and everybody that wants to just do what they want to do in life. Let's sum it up, I guess. Okay. Somewhat. Fantastic. Uh, but the family is also my wrestling crew. The family is also my tight-knit, close people who defend me on Talkdown. And it's going to grow. Anybody who watches Tooth and Night Talkdown knows that there's a bit of a faction war going on. <laughs> so my family, my fighting family, as I'll say, mm -hmm. uh, will be growing in 2021. And you're going to see some faces in the Big West ring and maybe elsewhere. Swinging bats with this guy right here. Repping the family and having one stiff drink with the entertainment provider, your best friend, Justin Sider. All right. All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here today to take us behind the scenes. Your journey from a youth in small town Ontario watching superstars all the way to debuting for Big West Wrestling. And, well, we're excited to see what the future holds for you. Thank you, sir. Being on your show is an absolute honor. Thank you. And I hope we can do it again soon. Oh, I, I plan on it. I plan on it. All right, Ambush. I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation with the entertainment provider, your best friend, Justin Cider. You've seen the merch. You've seen. You can go ahead and follow him on social media. I highly suggest you do. Follow him on YouTube too. Give him a subscribe. Check out all the promos that got him to the top of Tuesday Night Talk Down. Now I need to tell you that it is time for our roaring desert tiger thank yous. And of course, the first one goes to the man JC. The second, course to the most important part of this entire thing and that is you the loyal dedicated ambush for tuning in for supporting the show like you guys love to do if you've yet to join up with the ambush it's as easy as hitting follow or subscribe 
on the service that you are watching right now. You can go ahead and give the show a five star review on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also share this conversation with Justin Sider with your friends, with your family, hell, even your enemies. Why not? You can also support us by heading on over to Desert Tiger merch.com to copy yourself something to represent the show everywhere you go with a little bit of style and class lastly lastly i need to tell you guys and those of you who have been longtime listeners know what it is i'm gonna tell you to get out there and find your oasis find your mountaintop find the thing inside of your heart that makes it sing to its fullest glory and its fullest capacity Find that thing, find your roar, craft your roar, build it, and when you're ready, let it out across that waterfront, across that canyon. Let everybody know just how beautiful your roar is and just what beauty you're capable of creating. And until next episode of this upcoming Friday,